Are you a military service member or veteran struggling with insomnia? A new study is investigating a non-drug therapy program that you can receive from your computer or a smartphone. If you find it difficult to fall or stay asleep or feel tired throughout the day, internet-guided cognitive behavior therapy for insomnia may be a treatment worth exploring. If you or a loved one is a current or former military service member, has had a head injury, and are between the ages of 18 and 64, you might qualify for this study. Call or text 301-456-5474 or head on over to militaryveterandad.com forward slash sleep. Dory 1, this is Fireteam Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. What does a baby computer call his father? Wait for it. Data. Hey guys, welcome back. This is episode 152. I'm your host, Ben Cloy, and we've got another jam-packed episode today with my good friend, John Wayne Mullins. The question I want to kick off this episode with is, are you a new dad and how is it going? Because how many times, maybe when you were a new dad, or maybe you just became a new dad, how many times do you get asked that question, how is it going? And We've talked about it here on the podcast before. The four hardest words for a man to say are, I am not okay. But one, you have to even acknowledge and get asked, how are you doing? So that is a genuine question. How is it going? Now, the standard answer is good and fine for most dads. But often, that is far from the truth. Our schedules are changing. We are tired. Work still expects us to perform at the same level. And we are often just running on those fumes. Well, as I said, today I'm talking to my good friend, John Wayne Mullins, a leadership coach, 17 years in the Coast Guard, still serving on reserve. He's a new dad. His wife is also in the Navy, so doing the double duty with the commitment to the military and just figuring out life day by day as a dad to a seven-month-old. And his life has perfectly helped him understand how these things in life can really apply to being a dad, but there's not a lot of translating tools out there. It's one of the reasons why the Business of Fatherhood podcast was started because there was a gap in the leadership lessons that we learn and get trained to understand at work. Those leadership lessons can apply at home. And there's also different dialects to them to reapply them as a dad. One that we dive into is goal setting. Goal setting is not something you do in 30 or 90 day or one year increments as a dad. It is something you do in say five, 10, 18 year increments. And if you're honest with yourself, it's a lifelong goal. It's not something that ever has a complete finite finish line. It's not something that's very easily to do with a smart goal type measurement. But those are the kind of topics we dive into today. And I'm really excited to share this interview with you. So without further ado, let's get started. And as always, hang on to the other side for my big takeaway. Welcome to the podcast, John. Thank you, Ben. I'm excited because I'm talking to John Wayne not just John Wayne, but John Wayne Mullins. And he is a close friend of mine that we've grown in the dad space. And he has his own dad coaching business for new dads. So John, I'm really excited for this conversation because we haven't really focused on the new dad, especially from the military background that you have. You've also have all the baggage that we come out of the military with our crappy thinking, our crappy programming, and also rewiring it and getting to make sure the polarity is right when you plug it in. And you've got this kid that doesn't come with an owner's manual like they have all the military orders in the military. It tells you exactly how to do everything except 
how to keep a kid alive. Except be a dad or even allow you to be a dad. Correct. That would be another uh, rabbit hole that we could go down as well. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Ben. I, I jumped at the chance when you, when you made the offer. So I'm happy to discuss my journey, what I'm doing with Mr. New Dad, and how it's kind of come to where it's currently at today. Let's rewind before we go to you becoming a dad. And let's talk about your military service and then transitioning up because you weren't always this guy that walked around with us as enlightened information, this new way of thinking and helping other people get out of their own way. So who were you back in the military? So I'm actually still in the reserves. I'm in the Coast Guard reserves. Um, I've been on and off active duty for the last, gosh, I hit 22 years this year. And um, about, I think I have about 15 years of active duty service total, uh, but then 22 total. But uh, prior enlisted, uh, made, made my way up to Chief E7 and uh, got stuck at the E7 level, couldn't make eight. So I looked at the warrant route, couldn't make it. And then uh, back in 2016, I decided to jump to the dark side and got my commission. What brought you to the military that you were looking for? Um, honestly, I uh, was school and education. Uh, my brother's a doctor. And at the time, I was thinking, gosh, I don't want to be like Joel with all this, you know, <laughs> student loans. And I was I, I signed up just because I wanted to serve. But then I was. Uh, really enticed by the GI Bill. So, When you think of that reason why, that process of going through it, when did you realize that your original plan might not be where you want to go? Well, it's funny because initially I did four years and I was starting to go to school while, while in the service. And then I ended up doing six and uh, I had a terrible uh, experience at a, with a leadership command that I was involved with or a, a unit that I was assigned to. And it was just, it was a terrible experience. It was terrible leadership in a toxic community. I was like, peace, I'm out. I don't want to, I don't want my life to be associated with this type of community or this type of leadership. If you know, if this is, this is what they're putting out. So let's fast forward a little bit further. Yeah. When did you decide you wanted to dive into personal development? Was that always a thread there or was no. that, were you not so introspective before? No, honestly, it was back in 20, let's see, I, I went over to Iraq in 2008 and I had this uh, uh, competition amongst friends that we were going to try and get into the best shape that we could. Even even while deployed, uh, I, I, I tried to work out as much as I could. I came back in 2008. And I immediately started working with a coach. And uh, up to that point, I had always kind of struggled with uh, my eating habits, my weight, and I never really was satisfied with the way that I looked or the way that I felt. And so I started working working with a personal trainer. Um, he was this big, big dude from Bulgaria. His name's Vladimir, and he was just kind of he, he he became a very close friend. And so I began working with him and I ended up doing my first uh, bodybuilding competition. And then I ended up doing that for about three years. And just for, uh, I wasn't doing it for money. I was just doing it for the, the competition, but I worked with Vlad and in that time, like I never won anything, but I learned so much about myself. And I thought, gosh, if I can, if I can apply these uh, disciplines and focus and, 
determination and goal setting. And gosh, if I can eat, you know, broccoli and chicken for four months and work out for two hours a day and get these type of results, I, I walked away from that. I was like, what would it look like if I took those same things and applied it towards my life? Mm. And that's where the journey started. That's a interesting thought to you just make that pivot because the irony in what you just said is that's right in front of every human being. Right. Like with anything that we've done. Mm -hmm. I mean, even the context, if you've climbed a corporate ladder, yeah, there's no difference of why you couldn't do that and be a good dad. Like, I wonder if I could recreate the success at work and have that same level of success at home and wonder if right. the same process applies. It's the same process. And so at that time, um, let's see, like I was on active duty. I was in, I was thinking I was pursuing my undergrad. I went on to get, um, uh, my graduate in organizational leadership. And I was studying this, this idea of coaching. Um, I went to this lunch and learn and John Maxwell was there and he was talking about this coaching program. I was like, what's coaching? Cause at that point, everybody was a coach. And I was like, well, what's a coaching conversation and what does that look like? And so I began studying. I was like, this is what I want to do. And so I learned all that, went to school, got my grad, you know, went through graduate school and then went on to work uh, for the government as an, as an internal executive leadership coach. And it was fun. I was just like, and I was applying those same, the same things that I get challenged by. It's like, gosh, I don't want to go to the gym today, or I don't want to eat this, but I saw it in the aspect of, gosh, I don't want to deal with Lenny today, or I don't want to have this conversation with my boss today, but learning how to have those or learning how to take these leadership principles and apply them towards our business. It was just, yeah, it was very enlightening. So let's open it up for the dad who's listening, who's on active duty. What do you think that man needs to hear who's currently serving, but struggles to even understand what the goal could look like if like, but even before they have a health goal, like what is that thought that maybe we need to let go that's holding us back from even seeing this as a method? Because it's, we're all kind of stuck in this. Maybe, maybe it's the government. Maybe it's part of just being yeah. a military complex, but I'm interested to see your thoughts of like, what thought does really every military member need to know that if they did, or even just saw what was in front of them, that would change everything. Yeah. So the, so the person who's listening to this and you're, you're that active duty person and you're the active duty dad, and you have these goals, and you have this idea of what you want to come. Whatever it is that you just thought that says, I can't do that, write it down. Because that, that thing that you just wrote down, that's your limiting belief. Whether it's, oh, I don't have the time, or I don't have the know-how, I don't have the network, I don't have the friends, I don't have the resources. Write it down, because that thought that limiting belief is what's keeping you from being that dad or, or accomplishing whatever goal that is that you are trying to pursue, you are in your own way. And I heard this guy, I met this guy about 10 years ago, and he was this very successful business leader. And he was telling me about his story. And he said, you know, it clicked for me when I realized that, the, that, that I was in my own way. Like my beliefs, the things I told me about myself, was in my own way. And I, and I started working towards getting rid of all this, all these lies. So I could really start to pursue my, my potential. So, yeah. 
you know, the illusion, I want to just add kind of a, an analogy here that I often use is it's the beer goggles. And so if, oh, you hold, yeah. if you're listening to this and you're holding a beer bottle, look through that. It's distorted. <laughs> and what yeah. no one tells us as human beings is that our entire life is distorted based on how we've been raised, how the military has programmed us, life that we've seen. If you've seen death and war and destruction, that changes the lens of everything. I remember a particular moment that shaped how I see the world is I remember it was the first time I had come home from the 4th of July when I was in the military service and it was a military parade and, or it wasn't a military parade, it was a 4th of July parade in a small town in America, classic small town. And all the fire departments were going by and it was just this, the flags were going by and I started crying. And it hit me in that moment, no one in this, no one in this place right now has any idea like what that actually means. They haven't like a smidge, but the sacrifice that it takes, like the overall feeling, like no one knows. That type of feeling, we all have those types of filters and we all have those types of visibility. We don't often realize where it's actually blinding us right. from actually being a dad. Like in that, as I say it out loud, that's where I want to go next is we often also have this belief that if we didn't have a good dad, if we just don't have enough time, we almost cross off the ability that I can be a good dad. And so we just don't try because there's plenty of vices. There's plenty of places that men can go hide and that won't sure. get called out. And meanwhile, their kids grow up and they don't get a chance to know who their dad is. Mm -hmm. Oh, the, and like I said at the beginning of the show is the military doesn't support you to be a dad. That, that's not their job. Yeah, that was an Easter egg you dropped there. I don't know if it hit everybody, but it definitely hit me as like, yeah, he planned yeah. that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, they don't. That, that's not their. That's not your responsibility. They may have their their programs and their ideas to help support the family unit, which is hey, that's great. But um, that's not their. That's not their role. But the thing that I what I have come to learn about when making decisions, especially if you're in the military, and if you are trying to be this dad, if you are trying to better yourself, you're trying to better your marriage. You need to put boundaries around that. And sometimes that may mean that you need to put boundaries with your work. You may say, hey, my son has a soccer game at five o'clock. I got to I got to leave the office by three. If I'm going to hit traffic, you're putting a boundary around that. You're saying that your son is more important than work. And it should be to an extent. It should be. Um, or, you know, you're a new dad. I'm going to give, I, I have a, I have a 10 month old right now. I'm going to tell you something. Your first year as a dad, you're not going to be your best, but that might be a great opportunity for you to talk to your boss and say, Hey, I got all these responsibilities. And I'm just trying to figure out, give me a little bit of grace. Show me a little bit of grace. Have that conversation saying, Hey, I was up six times last night. I'm still tired. I'm not going to be able to take that on. Just know your boundaries, know your limits and don't, and the, and the worst thing I see so many people do in the military, it's like, oh, I'll take that on or I'll, I'll go on that deployment. And then they're gone. And it's like, what message does that say? You're missing that entire opportunity to help your wife out, be with your son or daughter. Now, I get that sometimes if there are mission essential jobs and mission essentials operations, that's one thing. But I'm not talking about that. There's a, I, I kind of know the answer, but it's also one I would just like to put some words to, because I don't think often people slow down enough, is this idea of using our voice to articulate that boundary in the military is something that the rank structure does not provide. It almost right. mutes. And it's also with this idea that people above you, especially once you get past like the basic promotion for time and grade and what you can do to own yourself and the rest of it is based on evaluations, 
you then feel powerless. And the only way you can make more money is when you can grow and get promoted. And so when you sure. put all of that in someone else's leverage, in someone else's hands, you then almost mute your ability to draw that boundary because you don't think you have a choice. And I think that, as I say it out loud, that's probably part of the crux is most people in the active duty community, they don't feel like they have a choice because by definition, the military tells you you need to follow your orders. But often people way overemphasize that in peacetime when family is more important. Oh, for sure. You know, I remember when I was single and I was in a position where it would be easy for me to work a 10 hour day. Easy. And I, I would do it. I, I, I loved my work. I loved the community I was, I was serving and, and uh, it was fun. But think about what, think about the, the message that I was sending to um, my workforce, my team, I saying, Oh, John's working 10 hour days. We have, we should, or, um, you know, oh, it's like the person that if you always volunteer to do something, they're always going to call on you because they know that you'll do it. But then suddenly life changes or you get married and you have a kid. And it's like, wait a minute, how I got to put this boundary in place now because my, my priorities have shifted. And that's hard to do, especially when you've always been that yes man. You've always been that, that person that said, yeah, I'll do it. I'll, I'll round you up. I'll take, I'll do it. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's part your fault, but then it's also your, your unit, your, the people around you are taking advantage of that because they know that you always do the work. So there it's, it's, it's a, there's a fine line, but then there's also kind of opens the door to limiting beliefs and boundaries and like, Hey, where is it that you are really trying to go? And what is your priority? If you want to be a good dad, well, then what does being a good dad look like? What are some things that you think you can do? to maybe put some boundaries in place so you can be that good dad. So we've dove into limiting beliefs and boundaries. What would you say maybe the third ingredient that we need to add into the recipe to be a good new dad? Um, I think there's this um, having a group of people that you can do life with. One thing that I've learned is that oftentimes that a lot of men uh, we're, we try and do things on our own and that we'll get to the end of our limit and be like, oh, I haven't figured this out. I'm just going to move on. Or you get so stressed out that you never ask for help and, or even have a conversation about it. When I was uh, preparing in that season of that nine months of preparing to become a dad, I'm in, I'm in a couple of different men's groups. One through my church, one is a business mastermind. I even have people like you in my life that are like, hey, what, what, what book should I be reading? Or <clears throat> what was your biggest like challenge? Or you know, what advice would you give to a brand new dad in his first year of being a dad? <coughs> Excuse me. I'm not afraid to have those conversations because I know there's value in having community. So I would say my, my biggest piece of advice would be... Um, don't fall under the pretense that you have to do this alone. And since I've been doing this podcast for over three years, that is one of the biggest ironies that I continue to speak on is that by definition, the military is a unit. It's cohesive. It is a team of people with a common goal and this like fracture and thinking or process, even without family, even if you're a single man, like I was when I transitioned out, we have no idea the true value 
of a unit, a fire team, those cohesive nature, nature of working together, like grinding through, being the suck together. We don't realize that on the other side. We literally just transition out. It's stripped away from us. And then we don't really know what's missing. So we don't know what to replace. And we don't really put enough value into it. But then as a dad, it's even compounded because now, even if you were a dad in the military, and even if you have this mindset of the military, like, you know what, I've got a good group of guys. I could talk to them about a problem that maybe it's a personal problem. But I would also argue one thing that military still sucks at is creating a space for that dad to acknowledge he's a dad in the unit and for actually expressing that issue and letting it be a unit issue that the unit helps support of like, this guy just had a new kid. You know what? We're going to pick up slack a little bit for him for the next week. That isn't a conversation that's currently capable in the average unit, in my opinion. Oh, no. Or even saying, hey, uh, we we stand duty on a yearly basis. We're just going to take you off the duty roster. It's not that hard of a decision. You know, whether it's one, four, one and five, whatever it may be, we're just going to remove you because we know that your mind is going to be somewhere else once the workday is over. And I'll tell you what, Ben, that's not a hard conversation to have with your boss or your sergeant or your, your chief. It's not. Most of the time, they'll give you a little bit of empathy and be like, oh, yeah, we can, we can, we can make that work. Yeah, that is the irony also into it, because when you did approach it to draw a boundary or to even just ask, you immediately get acceptance. Unless you have like a complete deck for a, a manager or a leader, almost they're all going to be like, oh, yeah, I completely understand. But it's this, this uh, almost Superman mindset that we can't express that vulnerability because it, it's just not naturally done. I've always theorized that if I was ever a commander or if I'm ever speaking to a military base, almost the very first thing that I would do is share my worst dad moment, like go into the cabinet and share the worst thing that I've had happen, the worst thing that I've done, the worst things that have I said. And I would do it as a clear example of, you just know exactly who I am, where I've been, and it's just probably like you. And I want you to feel safe in this unit to be able to talk about those things. And I learned that vulnerability, I want to say from John Maxwell even, that the worst thing that can happen in an organization is when all the employees know something about the person running it, and the person running it thinks he's hiding it. And it's like the elephant in the room. It's like, no, you bring the elephant out. And then, especially when everybody knows it, like you're just making yourself look like an idiot. So that vulnerability, that first piece and step is creating that safe space for them to acknowledge the most important oh, part. Sure. And there's also, this is more irony dish into this conversation. The military realizes when a person is deployed to war, if their family isn't taken care of, they're not taken care of and their mind's not on the battlefield. So they spend billions of dollars to take care of the family at home while they're at war. But they fail to acknowledge that, you know what, there's a lot of work you could do while they're here so that they wouldn't have to do so much work while they're gone. Right. And that there's not so much even support network that they have to put in place to get that. Because if everything is good when they're home, it's even easier to maintain it when they're gone. But oftentimes, shit's crappy when they're home already, barely hanging on, and then they deploy, and then you're trying to hold up something that was barely having a weight of its own life being able to get cared by it. And you expect that person to be like 100%, you know, on target. It's like, no, I'm going to be thinking about my sick son at home, or, you know, the, we just had a, whatever happened. Of course, you're, they're not going to be there. So why would you even put that person in that position? Because they're going to fail. They're not going to be there. 
here's a perfect story. This just happened to me today. And this, this drives home the point of knowing what kind of dad do you want to be? Like, who is he? Like, really, who is he? And um, when you are clear about that, you know the boundaries that you have to protect in order to be that dad. So here's what happened to me today. Uh, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm still in the reserves. I'm still serving in the reserves. And I applied for this program gosh, about a year ago that would allow me, uh, it's kind of like the AGR where you manage the reserve forces. You, re, you manage the reserve program in some aspect. I got selected for it. And that would require me to go back on active duty. <clears throat> and um, so I had my call with the assignment officer this morning and gave me, I had seen the pics and nothing was available in this area, nothing. And um, so I was going to turn it down. And, um, you know, I'm Colo, my wife's active duty. I have this 10 month old and they sent me all these pics and they said, Hey, put, you know, put the, your top five picks in order of presidents and send us back. And so I had this conversation with her and I was asking about all these different things. And I told her, I was like, listen, I'm not trying to be a geo batch, a geo bachelor. I'm not trying to be away from my family. Um, you know, the, and she said, well, nothing else is available, but you know, you could, you could go to DC and maybe try and uh, take this job or take that job. And I was like, thanks, but no, thanks. Um, it's an easy decision for me, even though, it would have resulted in this, this, and this. Um, it was an easy decision for me because I know what I don't want to be. I don't want to be separated from my wife. I don't want to make her a single mom or make her try and raise this son. And while I'm traveling, you know, 15 days a month, that's a boundary that I that I honored and I respected. And I told her this, and she's like, you know. I really admire you for holding your boundaries because I think a lot of people would have taken the job. I was like, well, I have a more important job at home of being a dad, because if I'm gone, who's raising them? Society, Facebook, come on. You know, we've, we've ranted on this several times in our previous conversations together. And I think this perfectly sets up not just who you want to be as a dad, but how to set goals as mm -hmm. a dad. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about in almost every case, in life, you can set 10 day goals, 30 day goals, 90 day goals, year long goals, five year plans. None of those work as a dad because wow. it's an 18 year goal. And if you really get serious, it's a lifelong goal. As long as you're six feet above ground here, you're still working on that goal to make sure that you're showing up as a dad. Tell me about what kind of goal setting you have in your mind for when you think about like, even just, just pick a time frame of that 18 year goal. Oh my gosh. I think immediately the word legacy kind of comes up. One of the things it's like, what, what, what kind of man am I trying to raise? I have a young son. He's 10 months. Who is that kid? What kind of man is he? What are his values? Have I, have I instilled these, these behaviors or these goals or even like for him to be able to make a decision and consult me on it or, Hey, I'm, I, I've got these five colleges I'm thinking about doing, or I'm going to go to this trade school and uh, you know, I'm not just going to make, a, one decision because it's going to be fun or it's where my friends go. You know, he's going to consult us. He's going to consult the family. He's going to, you know, get all the research and say, you know, what would be the best thing for me? That's kind of, you know, immediately where my head goes is he's making educated decisions. He's just not making them on his own. You know what I hear in that word is a single word. And I think you're, you're going to see it as well. The word trust. 
Because if you if we, think, if we break it down, if you want your kids to trust you when they're 18, to value your opinion, to trust they can bring something to you, to know that they're not alone, your decision right now was step one of that. Had you done that, not drawn that boundary, gone away for a year and been on and off, the trust factor would have been low. But your connection to that kid would also have been low, and you'd probably be more likely to repeat that. And so you did it once, might as well do it again. And eventually you're like, you know what? He's probably an okay kid. He's turned out okay. At the end, again, trust comes back to the amount of deposits you make in their life. And did were you there when, I often even break this down when dads go to war. You have to assume when you were gone, there was crap that went on in their life that you weren't there to handle. And they're pissed. And not acknowledging that and not coming from a place of like, if it's a teenage girl, boy problems or the opposite a son trying to figure out how to date in the world my dad wasn't there and i'm pissed because i had to figure it on my own it blew up my face not even acknowledging that emotion is also something that's going to stew and create a dysfunctional teenager that you can't figure out realizing he doesn't bring it to you because he doesn't trust you he doesn't trust you because you haven't been there right yeah you're absolutely right if and again it kind of goes back to if you're always saying yes to other people and you're not putting him first. I mean, think about it. If he's a 12 year old boy with hormones and, 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 and he's still in that developmental stage, what's he going to think? What would you think? Oh, my dad doesn't care about me. Or, you know, his, his job is more important. Or, you know, he says yes to everyone else but us. That's, that's the message that he, he thinks. And to an extent, he's right. I mean, that may, that may be a hard truth for those who are listening to this. But that's where you may need to do some intrusive work and be like, hey, where do I need to tighten my boundaries around my family? Or where do I need to, you know, how can I develop my relationship so I can talk to my son about these things? Or he can open up to me, you know? There's a fictional character, and this plays out in several different areas. I'm a big NCIS fan. And McGee grew up on NCIS. He was part of NCIS and his dad was in the Navy. So he was always part of the entire process of the Navy, but his dad was always gone because he was an admiral and he almost has no relationship with his dad. And his dad's completely ignorant of the gap in this kid's, in this guy's life. And it's a storyline that plays out far too often that I've heard like generals don't get to know their kids until they join the military for the first time. And by then, like when I hear those stories, I just cringe because of I could feel and hear already know the person's pain when that dad wasn't there and the anger that person probably feels. But then there's other sides of this story where I know people that got out at 13 or 14 because they knew if they didn't get out when they did, they weren't, they were going to be left pretty lonely at the end. And it's almost when you realize those moments and you have to recognize that like no pension is going to buy back your time with your kids. No, I mean, we often dress it up for, bringing in a living, bringing in all these extra things, bringing in money. Like it right. seems like a no brainer in the beginning, but man, you're writing checks that most dads don't actually know. And then when it's time for the bank to collect on those checks, you're like, Oh man, I didn't really realize that those were all like, or I also break it down to when you're deployed, it's like a credit card, you're borrowing from it. And if you don't make sure you pay it back with interest, eventually you go oh bankrupt. Gosh. You know, I've learned that lesson so many times and I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's enticing. It's attractive to try and stay in and get that pension. You know, that was, you know, that's no one's going to call I, you out for it. That's the other bad part. You're yeah. serving your country. Most people are going to no. thank you for your service thank and tell service. you to keep going. But, but one of the things that I have learned that I am very good at doing, it, and it took me getting away off the active duty train to realize this, is that I'm a very good entrepreneur. I'm very good at what I do. 
I, I, I have these mindsets and I have these, these talents that are very attractive and there's value in that. But it took me a long time to, to realize just how valuable that I am and how I can contribute to an organization or a community or you know, even a family. It takes, it takes that time to step away. So if you're that you know, military person that thinks that, oh, I, I, have to, I have to stay in to get the pension or I'm going to stay in for 30. And you're like, what is that costing you? And why are you really staying in? You know, is it something that is, it, you know, we're talking about limiting beliefs a little while ago is what's feeding that yes? You know, is there a fear there? Is there something there that you were just avoiding? Or are you just saying, oh, I don't know how to be this you know, I've, I've been in the military 20 years or 15 years is all I know. You know more than that. I, there's something that I've just delved into, and I talked about it a few weeks ago on a Fatherhood Friday, and that is generational trauma. And once I connected this, one thing that I can almost feel when someone tells me their military story is whether or not they were running. And it usually is pertained to proportionally to how much and how fast they advanced. Because the faster they're advancing, the faster they're running, and they're trying to get a feeling from the outside world they can't make up on the inside. And how many people in the military join because of a dysfunctional family? They wanted to either get out, they can't figure it out, they just need to get to a different environment because maybe they aren't going to be alive if they didn't over two years in their neighborhood. But we don't ever acknowledge the work emotionally that needs to happen to grow through and stop running. And it's that running feeling that often prevents us from seeing why we need to not serve because I almost always also frame it. People often sell and write books and lots of podcasts about transitioning out. I think it's more important to understand what your transition in was like, understand your why and compare that oh, yeah. to where you are after four years or however many years you've served. It's actually, we always need to go back to the first transition because you became something when you joined. <clears throat> And we never acknowledge that. We don't acknowledge no. what we came in with. We don't acknowledge the baggage. We don't acknowledge the limiting beliefs. We don't acknowledge issue with love, connection to marriage, all of these different things. And all we do is focus on what we are issued. And the military right. has bad jokes. If they wanted you something to have it, they would have issued it. And thinking wasn't one of those. So oftentimes that's the first thing to go out the window and you put your life on autopilot and 20 years go by. Mm. Dude, that's so good. Um... I, I did this workshop with the organization that I, it was a transitioning workshop. Um, and there was an 06 in the room. He went through it and he gave he, what he said, because there was a lot of junior enlisted in the room. He said, you know, it's taken me 30 years. And I've realized this is that we should be thinking about transition on day one. That's we my advice. Be, Think about it in boot camp. The moment yeah. you get in, you begin to see the world differently through a set of eyes that no one else can mm -hmm. do except you. Yeah. And the yeah. military can take it away far sooner than you think you're ready. Whether, oh, well, it be a it. I mean, whether it be an issue, whether you become like a, do something stupid and you get kicked out or you're medically broken and you got kicked out or they just don't want you to reenlist. And you're like, you know what? We're done with it. We don't really need your number anymore. Right. It begins then day one. Well, and this kind of goes back to what you were talking about with vision is, you know, when you, wherever you're at in your career, where, who is your 10 year old self? Who is that 10 year old self older than you? Where are you going? What is your vision? Like, why are you serving in the military? Why do you, what are you trying to get away from? Or what are you trying to go to? How are you using the military as that, as that highway system to get to where you want to be? Is it a career? 
hey, that's great. Is it for four years or 10 years? Hey, thanks for your service. That's great. The point is, what are you using it for? And I think that's where the military, unfortunately, doesn't do a good job of, and I don't know if it is their job, but they indoctrinate you to think a certain way. And, you know, they have their core values, but what about you? Where do you want to be? What's your life outside the military? And there's value there. And I think the more clear you are about that, when you come into these life changes and you got to start making uh, boundaries and decisions, it's going to be an easy answer for you because you know where you want to go. You know the type of dad that you want to be. We are dancing around it. And I want to point out the elephant in the room. What you were essentially talking about is who was underneath the uniform. The Marine Corps issues you an identity that's 260 years old. And we wear that with pride and we never take it off. But if you didn't come in with an identity, you really don't know who you are underneath. And you're just a colored candy shell on the outside and empty on the inside. What have you done in either in your life or what have you seen really work well when someone has something on the outside that is their identity and they have an empty shell on the inside where they're like, I have no idea who I am when I take this uniform off. Because that mode, when you take it off to become a dad, is usually what scares us back into putting the oh, uniform yeah. on because it's the only place we feel comfortable. It's, it's our safe place. We know yep. we know what can and can the parameters on how to wear that uniform. What success looks like. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about becoming a new dad, it's like, I don't know what this looks like. I mean, I had a guy reach out to me yesterday. He said, I have a brand new 18-year-old. I've never fathered an 18-year-old. I'm a new dad. And I was like, huh, isn't that ironic? And so, um, but... It, it's it, it's it's easy to stay hidden behind that identity because that's your safe space. And I think that's why so many people turn to that because they know how to wear it. And when life gets hard or marriage gets hard or challenges or your son, you know, steals a car, you know, how do you react? You don't know how to wear that uniform. But, you know, it kind of, you, don't be afraid to wear it. Don't be afraid to try it on. Don't be afraid to talk about it with other men. And be like, hey, how did you get this to fit? You know, it takes time. And I think part of when you take that uniform off is just really asking yourself and most likely giving yourself permission for the first time. And this is the crux of this question. Like you initially think it's something that you have to figure out. It's like purpose and passion. It's a curse question when you're asked it, if you've never been asked it, because then you can't stop thinking about it. And you're like, should I spontaneously combust? Because I've never thought about these two words and I don't have a good answer. But both those answers are something you cultivate every day by living. Like you don't just wake up one day and figure it out. You just start living, aligning with your values and your vision. And slowly but surely, you eventually see your purpose and passion. And I've always oh, yeah. didn't know I was doing this until someone told me that this is part of the process. You follow your curiosity, you'll find your purpose and passion. So curiosity is often a good tool, I think, for identity as well, because if and it's based on your instincts, if you just follow what you're curious about learning more about, you'll understand more about who you are and what you like and what you could do. Yeah. And I would say, I would add on to that. Don't be afraid to try experiments. Oh, yeah. You failure. Know? Like the failure is such a good yeah. teacher. It, it really is. You know, I did the 100 Days of Live last year uh, because... Uh, a, a friend of mine, Matt Denny, was doing it. And I was like, huh, I'm going to try that just for 30 days, just as an experiment. And so I started doing it. And then my coach, he was working with me. He's like, hey, John, why don't we 
focus what you're learning, sharing all this leadership lessons and share it from the perspective of the dad. And he said, just do that for 30 days. Just try it out and see what it does. Well, I ended up doing it for 30 days. And then I did it for November, December. And then I started a group coaching program for called Mr. New Dad because it all resulted from this experiment that I did. And I realized, yeah, it was hard work. I learned a lot, but I had fun with it. And I paid attention to that curiosity and that fun because I was like, there is something here. And then I realized that there are a lot of out, dads out there who are trying to figure out this dad thing out alone. And I got the skills to facilitate these conversations and bring it together. So I created a coaching program for it. And what you're also talking about is just basic exercising your thoughts. Like that's another irony from the military is we're great at exercising as a unit, which then allows the unit to figure out its capacities, its weak points and what it likes doing even and what it's really good at. At the same time, that same lesson, there's some irony I want to point out and kind of season with that I learned maybe like six or eight episodes ago. The Marine Corps is a perfect example of how life should work because the Marine Corps physically stresses itself to the point of failure so that it always could be finding what it really is weaknesses. It literally goes to the enemy in different places, not maybe the enemy, but different countries that could be the enemy in the future at some point, exposing all of our weaknesses so that we can train together to close them up. And this irony that Marines kill themselves and lack this basic part of the Marine Corps ethology of how they think really spoke to me of like, you know what? exercising who you are, testing your vulnerabilities, figuring out how to close them. It's a Marine Corps in, in a nutshell. And I was like, the answer was there in front of us the entire time. And our ethos is the solution, but no one's connecting the dots. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. it was addition irony that I was just like, wow, that answer has been there since the beginning that Marines literally go to train to test our limits so we can learn them and we can overcome them that's exactly how life's supposed to work. It just, no one tells us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, and I think there's a, there's that transition period of learning, uh, like how to wear this uniform, like the coast guards core values of honor, respect and devotion to duty or have always been drilled in us. You know, those that's where they, you know, they mark you on them. There's, there's evaluations and they have all these things and you know how to use that language. But when it comes to learning how to wear it yourself out of uniform, that's the transition. Mm, and, yeah. you know, I think that there's a, there, there's a period where uh, it's scary to even think about that. But my thing is, thinking about my 20-year-old self is, let's, let's figure out what that looks like for me, for, for John. What do these things mean for me? And how can I use them to get to where I want to be at? And, you know, my, I just turned 40, you know, my 50-year-old self. How is he displaying these things and what, are, what does he look like? And I think the more clear you get about that, you know, the easier it will be to make some of these decisions uh, when life gets hard. So as we pivot to wrap up this interview, which you and I, I warned before we, get, we hit record, we could talk forever. I want to make sure people understand where they can go find out more information about missing your dad. But I also want to ask you one question to wrap up as a new dad of a 10 month old, What's a piece of advice that you've already learned in 10 months that you want to make sure no matter where a dad's at, that you that you get this piece of advice? What's your best dad advice for that dad out there? Um, you're going to learn how to really get good at uh, communicating with your wife and, and, and learning what each, 
you and your and your wife look like stressed out because this season you're not sleeping, the baby's clinging, it's teething. There's always there's always something. There's going always on. something. Always something, and you're gonna get you're gonna get to know your wife so much better, and I appreciate that. But look for those ways to um, you know to lead her and to guide her through that. But um, I learned that pretty quickly. It's like okay, how can I help? Because I think in that first five months, in six months, you're feeling like, well, he's a, he's a kid. She, he's he, mom is taking care of him. Mom's feeding him. How can I help? You, there are many ways that you can help that child and help her out too. So, but you just have to look, you know, kind of look for them. And yeah, also I, ap- operate on the remembering that you're on the same team. I think that's something you can easily yeah. lose sight of. Like there's actually like an idea of winning. There's an idea of winning. It's how we get through this together. And how yeah. we strengthen ourselves through this process versus kind of, I always tell people when they have their baby, like truly anchor yourself in that moment when you look in your wife's eyes and when you're holding your baby and really think about the amount of love that it took to create that moment. Cause when life tests you, that's what you want to anchor back to. Right. Yeah. And like you said, you're a team through all of this and you're going to have to, to step up to the plate and help out. You may be doing a lot of, dishes and dirty diapers but you know that's that comes with the job so but it's fun i'm I'm in a great season now evan is uh he's almost 11 months and he's starting to crawl and he's all over the place he's very clingy but you know i love him he's, it's great i love being a dad and i feel like we've been friends since the very beginning i don't know how many months we're what exact month we started hanging out together but those like just already hearing you describe it so differently is oh. something just talking about to the speed at which it is, which is why it's so important to prioritize being a Mr. New Dad, because most dads don't really realize the stakes until maybe even two or three. And you're like, oh, man, like yeah. my third child, I have much better relationship with, unfortunately, than my first one, because I was still learning. And there, oh my, I, gosh, even, yeah. my youngest is five. My oldest is nine. Like there's so many different things that our relationship is different with just because I learned as I went. So pay attention to what we've got, but then also where can people find out at Mr. New Dad so that they don't have to learn as they go. They can show yeah, up skills so, from the very beginning. Um, thanks for that. Thanks for that offer. And, and I, uh, I, I, I uh, agree with everything you said, but to find me, I'm very active on social media right now. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to stay on LinkedIn as much as I can and on uh, social media. I'm at Mr. New Dad on Instagram Find me at Mr. New Dad on Telegram because that's where I'm going to be using a lot of my coaching courses. I'm going to be working through that. Uh, so find me on those two. I am on Facebook, but I'm really trying to shift gears away from Facebook just because I don't like it. And, you know, yeah. So, yeah, that's where you can find me. All right. So I'll make sure that all of those links are in the show notes. So if you want to connect with them on LinkedIn, there'll be a link down there to Hotwire in the show notes. John, is there anything else you want to throw out there before we wrap up and hit the stop button on this episode? Uh, I can't thank you enough for the opportunity to kind of share what I'm learning in this season of being a new dad. And um, it's, it's, it's fun when you, when you find your rhythm, I will say that, but uh, that, that, you know, that's the whole point. You know, I've spent so much time getting clear about, you know, who that, who that 10 year old self is or that 50 year old self is. And, you know, I, I, like I said this a couple of times to the show, it's get clear on that. And then life gets easier because you know where you're, you know, where you're trying to lead yourself. So, but thank you again for uh, giving me this opportunity to come on your show. This is great. 
And one thing to really uh, kind of break your mindset there, once you get to that flow, when you're like, you know what, I think we got this, that's where you make the mistake. You know what, Let, let's do this again. And then you do it again. Then you're holding this baby and you're like trying to bounce it too. And you're like, what part of us thought this was a good idea? Because what you learn is that all the systems and processes for one child do not carry over for two. They all crash. You have to rewrite them all. But the good news is two carries the three, but one does not carry to two. Well said. Well said. <laughs> I love John, it. thank you again for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode. And I hope if you were a new dad that that gave you the exact boost that you needed to flip your mindset, get connected, and also know as we talk a lot about here, military veteran dad, that you are not alone, my friend. So if you got value out of this episode, one thing if I could ask you to do a favor for me is leave a review on iTunes. Those reviews help other people search in the internet for podcasts to listen to, find value that this episode and that this conversations we have on military veteran dad are worth their time. For my big takeaway, my big takeaway of having my conversation with John, Mr. Wayne Mullins, which Anytime you get an opportunity to say the full name, I'm not going to miss an opportunity to say John Wayne. But my big takeaway for this episode is understanding the shift in goals. That's been something that John and I have been talking about and on and off the conversations. And being able to talk about it today just reiterated the important point that one thing we get struggle with when we change the mindset of being a businessman or member of the military to the objectives we try to close at home and changing those to goals is realizing the goals are much harder to write. The goals are big, giant, moving needles that have ever-changing variables, and you often don't know all the variables when you're trying to design the goal. So understanding that shift in mindset is what I want to make sure that you got out of this week's episode. That is all I have for you today. Thank you again for joining us today, and I'll be back again with you guys next Monday. Next Monday.